Please listen carefully. Okay, so um, I got an email from a uh, woman out in California, one girl, I'm not, I'm not sure, but um, she emailed saying, hey, just got my level one, started shadowing and, and coaching, or you know, starting to learn how to be a coach, um, was searching for podcasts and ran across Cross Akana podcasts and love your stuff, and it was awesome because um, you know, we do this primarily for our members, you know, whenever I think about what kind of information we would want to impart to our members and have it evergreen or, or have it um, last longer than just like a conversation that you would have with a member face-to-face -face yeah. if we find it useful, that's how I think of podcasts, right? So I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, it's great that other people have discovered yeah. this, right? Because yeah. we're not some famous podcast, right? Um, Pretty small podcast. Yeah. Um, so because she's a new coach, I thought what we could talk about is how to be a really good CrossFit coach, yeah. you know, or how to be a great CrossFit coach. And maybe we can even distinguish between the two, but yeah. I feel like our goal here is to professionalize this yep. more than maybe either, either that we've experienced or more than what's kind of average out there mm. um, we we want to be above average right, right. Um, and you know Ben Bergeron has his chasing excellence thing and you know we want to chase excellence we want to I don't I don't think there's ever a perfect per se but you you know we always want to strive to be better yeah. constantly and, improving I think is our thing here yeah so I thought we could kind of talk about that like yeah. what makes a good CrossFit coach so what are your initial thoughts? My first thought is that it's a really complicated answer because it's yes. not as straightforward as like, oh, just you know, get your L1, get your L2, and keep improving. Because it doesn't necessarily matter what certifications you have. You could have a 1,000 letters after your name, but it doesn't mean that you know what you're talking about or are good at conveying what you're talking about. Um, I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me, though, to be a good coach is to uh, be approachable for your members, to not be this scary person that they can't ask you questions or talk to you, uh, kind of be, uh, be someone that people want to come to, to ask questions and be a presence in the room that is uh, commanding but not intimidating. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think it also, we also have to kind of explain, there might be people who might be. People who listen to this have never been in a CrossFit class. Yeah. I mean, those are probably few and far between. But, Could be. you know, the, the nature of having a small group class is you're essentially a guide for these people yeah. who have no clue, usually, yeah. about how to work out, what, what to do, right. how to do it, how long to do it for. You know, they are coming to you because they don't know. Right. right. And a lot of times I think we can get in this world of, um, of not realizing what it's like to be a beginner. Yeah, definitely. Because we're in it so yeah. much and we love CrossFit. Yeah. You know, I don't think you're a CrossFit coach unless you really love it. No. Um, 
you, I, you don't really do it for the money, right? Most people. Most people don't. Um, for 20 to $30 an hour, whatever the case may be, yeah. you're not really doing it for the money. But you do love CrossFit. Now, yeah. not everyone out there loves it at first because they see it as a workout program. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're coming to you. You get into class. It's an hour-long class. And your job is to guide them through this workout that is already set. But one of the first things that, like you said, you need to do is be approachable. Yeah. I think that's a huge step for, for just building comfort in a class. You know, I still remember my feelings first walking into a CrossFit gym. And I remember the nerves and the anxiety associated with it. But as soon as I walked through the door... The coach greeted me with a smile, shook my hand, introduced herself, and that was huge. And I think that's, that built trust with me, and I think that's something that really helps with every coach, just to be approachable or to approach a new person and just introduce yourself and make yourself not as scary and intimidating. Yeah, one of the, one of the things we talk about here um, and almost kind of teach coaches who come on the board is the five-second rule, like, Within five seconds, you need to be either establishing eye contact, saying, hopefully saying their name, saying hi, shaking hands, fist bumping, like whatever the case may be. You know, if you're coaching class and someone walks in, that's why we have a bell on the door, because we want to know when people are walking in. Yeah. You need to at least acknowledge them. I mean, obviously, if you're coaching that's, and, and talking to the class, that's one thing. But if you're walking around while a workout's going on, at least like look at them, wave or whatever. Um, and then certainly if no one else is here and then the first people showing up to a class say their name, ask how they're doing, um, those are all important things yep. to acknowledge that they're a person. Yeah. I think, too, another big thing that we try and do here is not just say, like, oh, hi, Chris, like, how are you? It's like, hey, how are you? How's your son? How's your family doing? Like, or how's work today? Asking more personal questions so that you get a better relationship with the people you're coaching and we kind of have an advantage because we have a smaller community but at the same time we have connections with everyone in our community which is awesome yeah we're not right we're not a 400 person gym we're not an LA fitness with 5,000 members hoping mm -hmm. only a thousand show up right. per day right but and, and a lot of times we we say that we actually see these people more than uh, their own like well, at least extended rel yeah. relatives and, and close friends yeah. that, you know, if, if someone's coming Monday through Friday or even Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Absolutely. and then maybe a day on the weekend, yeah. you're seeing them four days a week. Like yeah. how many of your, let's say college friends, yeah. do you see four days a week? None right? anymore. Like none. a couple maybe, but no. yeah, definitely. And I think there's that relationship that develops over time as you kind of keep coming in day in, day out, and you see everybody, you start to build these relationships, and it becomes like a family here, which is really something special. And that also goes into making a good coach, because that relationship you create is then built in trust, and that trust grows not only to outside the class, but inside the class and vice versa. Yeah, so that's a great point, because at the end of the day, people are coming here for fitness, but, and there's a great saying about it, but no, nobody's going to care how much you know right. until they know how much you care. Exactly. So, yeah, if you go away for a weekend seminar and it's some world-renowned expert and you're paying money and you're going there, like, yes, 
you're going there primarily because of what they know, right? right? But when you're seeing them day in and day out, if you have absolutely no personal relationship and all you're doing is being a robot coach where, and you can know the most crazy technical things about weightlifting or like the most nuanced things about gymnastics, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if you don't have a relationship. Yeah. Right. I think back to, to um, taking the L2 and the pillars of coaching and like the biggest one that stands out to me, aside from correcting people and seeing faults and that kind of thing is presence and attitude and being that uh, person that's trusted and that's kind of the guide for everything. Yep. That I think is arguably one of the most important because sure, you can know that somebody's knees are caving in and they need to push their knees out and this is why it's happening, but they don't need to know that. All they want to know is, hey, coach told me to push my knees out. I trust them. I'm going to push my knees out. Right. And, and think about, you know, there's so much crossover between what we do here and education. Yeah. So think about your favorite teacher, yeah. right? Chances are you either didn't know or didn't care that they had a, a PhD or that a master's level or whatever, that they were the, the most knowledgeable, right? right? Yeah barely anybody will will say their favorite teacher uh, was their favorite because they were so knowledgeable. Right. Right. Yeah. Chances are it was because they cared a lot about you. Yep. They expressed that in some way, shape, or form. Yep. Um, and then there, and it was all related to connection. Yep. Right. Yeah, I think back to my favorite professor in college and my favorite teacher in high school, both of them. Yes, they were some of the smartest in the school. I'm sure they had high-level um, education degrees, but that didn't matter to me. I didn't know at the time. All I knew was that they taught me in ways that I understood, and they helped me to learn more that way. And they right. took the time to figure out how I learned best so that they could be the most helpful teachers to me. And I think that's the same thing that we do in here. We, you know, trying to get to know everybody so we can figure out what works best for you, and we'll work with you that way. Yeah, I love that, because the same way that you cue one person is not yes. the same way, or coach some, one person, is not how you're going to coach another person. Yeah. Everybody responds a little bit differently, I think. You know, and everybody bonds with different coaches, too. You like different coaching styles, and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that we do really well here is making sure that we're not just blanket cueing everyone and just saying, like, hey, this works generally for everyone, so we're going to go with it. We're very individual, and if... You know, if that cue isn't working for you, we find something else. Or if verbal cues aren't really your thing, we go visual, tactile, however it works best for you. That's what we'll do to make sure that you're moving in the best way possible and staying safe, but also having fun. Right. Exactly. Like on a technical level, like we're taught, there's uh, visual, verbal, and tactile cues. Right. So you can either show someone, you can tell someone, or you can physically get them in the right positions that they right. should be in, Right. Yeah. But that's just the first step, yeah. right? That, that's just manual, level one, very basic, basic stuff, stuff, just to know that they even exist. Yep. Then it's a matter of not only trying them out, but also, to me, like, the, the tone, yep. right, even matters. Yep. So, you know, we have some members that actually really like um, aggressive, yeah. cheer, let's say, aggressive cheerleading, yeah. right? They essentially like the kind of boot camp or, um, you know, drill sergeant yep. style, coaching like which none of us really are but no, yeah, none you know of us are, in the moment will. yeah for like a a, a a sprint of a workout or like fran or, or something you know where we know 
it's appropriate, yeah. that's something that we'll do. Yep. But very few people are like that. Very few. I have to say right. most of our people like a little bit more nurturing and kind of yeah. softer, softer explanations and not as much of that like drill sergeant personality. Exactly. But as a good coach, you're going to know which members like which kind of coaching. Yep. Right. And that's a big thing because how you relate to your member is important. You can make or break a relationship if you are continuing to treat them or coach them in one way. Maybe they don't like to be coached as a drill sergeant, but if you continue to coach them that way, they're not going to feel as comfortable in class. Whereas if you coach them the way they like to be coached, that helps them feel more comfortable and more in the group and they learn better. Right. Exactly. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think the, the overarching kind of point is that the personal emotional side of things mm -hmm. matters way more than the technical side of things. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing a quote somewhere along the line, but it was, you can teach someone how to do an air squat and you can teach them how to teach somebody to do an air squat but you can't teach someone to care. And mm -hmm. that's the most important thing that needs to come across is how much you care and understand and are relatable to your members. Right. As a new coach, um, how important is it for you as a coach to be a good athlete? You know, I don't think it's as important to be like a elite athlete, right? You don't need to be games level. You don't even need to be regionals level. Do you need to move well so that you can show people how to move well? To some degree, yeah. But at the same time, like I know when I first started coaching, there were a lot of movements I couldn't do. And I know that now there are a lot of movements that I can't do. Um, and it forces you to become better at other areas of coaching. So if demoing a movement Maybe it's a muscle-up and you don't have a muscle-up, which, okay, no big deal. Find another way to show it or teach it, and it forces you to become better at verbal explanations or at um, you know, using other tools in your tool belt to kind of help coach. So is being an athlete or a good athlete super important? No, but should you practice the principles of CrossFit if you're going to stand up in front of a class and – Tell them, hey, I truly believe this is the best workout possible. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that credibility matters a lot. Yeah. I completely agree that you don't have to be a great athlete. Um, and in fact, before opening Kana, I was, because of my previous job, I was traveling around the country uh, to lots of different cities and dropping into lots of different places. And I was able to be coached by game, CrossFit Games level athletes. Like, yeah. People who have been to the CrossFit Games multiple years in a row, like very famous people. Right. And I, I got to tell you, on average, the game, the, the, the better the athlete in terms of you know, their own accolades, the, I don't want to say worse, but um, they were, there was no correlation. Yeah. There was no correlation yep. whatsoever. There I is, found that too. Yeah. A lot. Um, I can say that... Um, my most memorable experience was Becca Voigt, um, who's been to the CrossFit Games, what, 10 or 11 times? And mm -hmm. She's a beast. She ran an amazing class. Yeah. But 
it had nothing to do with her own athleticism. It had everything to do with her personality. Yeah. And, um, and the fact that everybody in that class just was super friendly and yeah. she made it fun. And it was, you know, I, there are two things that I think about when coaching, educating and entertaining. Yeah. So you don't have to ed educate on the most nuanced details about the Krebs cycle if you're, you know, yep. trying to get someone to learn more about nutrition in class for some yeah. reason. And you don't have to entertain, like, uh, be this, you know, gregarious, you know, Broadway performer, right. um, but you do have to leave people, you know, let people leave here having learned something about themselves or about movement or about, you know, about other people, yeah. and then entertain in the sense of you can't just stand up there and say this is the workout and this is the, the reps and sets and go do this, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I think part of that too is you need to be engaged. Like, right. you can't just stand up at the whiteboard and say, okay guys, like here's the workout, today we're doing Fran. Cool, go get every barbells, warm up your pull-ups, yeah, and I'll exactly. see you in 10 minutes. Yes. Like, that does not make a great coach, and that does not make for a great relationship. And You're just a facilitator at that point. Yeah, at that right. point, you're just standing there keeping time. Right. Which, okay, I could go to a Globo gym and keep my own time. I don't need that. Exactly. People come to class to be coached, not to be cheerleaded per se or not to be like oh you're my timekeeper or only right well, These, those, those are, are all components parts of it right, right for sure you do need to keep time because right. being punctual is a huge part of being a great coach you need to you know teach though you need to teach people and keep them engaged and you can't just say all right like yeah your deadlift looks fine and walk away right. you need to be there actively looking scanning the room making sure that you're giving attention to everyone and actually folks. coaching. Yeah. Actually coaching is a huge one. Not yes. just like, Hey, great job. Like, Hey, you're doing awesome. But you know, why don't you try pushing your knees out harder? Or there's always something. The one thing I think is big for coaches to keep in mind too. And what differentiates maybe a good coach from a great coach is the coach that isn't afraid to keep asking for more and to ask the athletes, like if you know they can give you a little more or you know, they can perform better, ask them. Ask them to clean up their movement a little bit. Ask them to push a little harder if they can, if that's good for them for that day, like if that makes sense. You can right. ask them to give you more. Like you don't want to be afraid to coach. Yeah, I love that because sometimes that first cue doesn't work, right. and so you have to go back and give a different one. Yeah. And then also this applies definitely to more experienced members. Yes. Where in the worst case, I've seen um, coaches not care because members are signed up for like a six-month contract. Yeah. So then they're like, well, I don't have to worry about you until month five. That's crazy. But on but yeah. even a normal level, co giving a cue or not even giving a cue because mm -hmm. they've, they've been here for two years, three years, four years, mm -hmm. and you know how they move and you're kind of paying too much attention to the new people or you can get in that trap of only paying attention to um, to more egregious errors of movement right right versus the more subtle nuanced yeah. things everybody has something that they can improve on everybody including coaches coaches need coaches right like everybody needs that kind of feedback and it's your job as a coach to give it I think this circles back to what we were talking about in terms of do you need to be a good athlete. Sometimes newer coaches can be intimidated by the people who are better at CrossFit. Right. But 
it doesn't matter. No. Like, just because you can move well does not mean that you can coach somebody. And being a good CrossFit right. athlete does not translate to being a good CrossFit coach. Because I've seen great athletes who become coaches, and it just doesn't, like, it doesn't click. I think part of it, too, and not to, like, pick or anything, whatever, but if you are a better athlete, sometimes it's harder to relate to those initial struggles because you're far removed from them. Like, yes. It's really hard sometimes yes. for people who can string muscle-ups and push-ups and pull-ups and whatever snatching 300 pounds to understand why it may be so hard for someone to just snatch a PVC pipe when they're new. Like right. sometimes we forget that initial learning period and that's important to keep in mind. And it's important to also convey that to members that, Hey, like we were all here and it's okay. And we understand and it's not easy at first, but I can promise you that stick with it. Right. We're here to help and you'll keep getting better. And that's, huge to convey to people because they see yeah. us what they don't see though is how much time we've put into the craft or how much time we've spent working to get our movement to where it is and it's it doesn't happen overnight and that's you know something that we all have to kind of make sure that we tell people because it's easy to create an illusion especially social media and all that that we all just happened to start crossfit like that right and we didn't at least i didn't yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Mark Ripito said that the best coaches are were mediocre athletes who tried like hell, yep. or like who tried really hard, because yeah. they know what that struggle is like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to put a pin in it, I think basically, it you don't have to be an elite athlete by any means, but um, you also can't ignore the process or the struggle, or right. you know, you have to try. Yeah. Right, you have to try. So, no, you don't need muscle-ups to be a great coach. Um, that's all probably in your head. Yeah. Um, Greg Glassman, I haven't seen him work out ever, but nope, he but is an amazing coach. Yeah. Um, there are YouTube videos of him coaching um, a, a backwards roll to support on rings, and yeah. he doesn't do it at all himself, but it's incredible how he coaches it. Yeah. So. And I think that's something, too, that, like it makes you a better coach uh, if you don't have the movement, but you know how to explain it and you know how to walk somebody through it. That, that's a skill and a talent in and of itself, and it's important to have. Because right. there may come a time when you can't show it for whatever reason, whatever's going on, you just can't. You need to still be able to coach it. Right. And that's important, too. Yeah. One of the things that we kind of circled around talking about it are like the different roles of a coach. And I think one of the biggest um, kind of differences between CrossFit and other small group models out there is that there is, there's a lot of technical knowledge to know and to yes. impart. And um, yes, some workout programs out there, you, you do want a cheerleader or you, you want someone with a lot of energy because the movements themselves are not that technical um, or as varied, right? So I know, and it's not right or wrong. It's just that's the lane that they want to be in and that's the lane we want to be in. So for instance, SoulCycle and a lot of spinning models hire for personality primarily. Like, so I think I listened to podcasts about SoulCycle and when they got started, they, they were in New York City and so they had auditions. They call them auditions and actors and actresses 
would come out audition to be the uh, trainer or whatever they call them, the, the lead cyclist, um, because they have to have this vibrant personality and that's what they're hired for. And because um, the idea is that you get, you know, these cyclists energized and yeah. that's just not the only thing that we look at. Right. Right. We look at a lot of things because it would, it would be easy to get up in front of the class every day and put on a show, so to speak, like right. have jokes, loud music, that kind of stuff. But we're also here for a workout. And right. that needs to come through too. And I think part of that kind of coaching aspect is balancing the two. Yeah. Making sure that everybody's having fun right. and everybody's entertained, but they're also going to learn. That's important. So if you were talking to a new coach, because you have your, even though letters don't matter, yeah. your resume of uh, CrossFit certifications is lengthy. Yeah. Um, so based on what you've experienced and based on what you've heard, let's say you were talking to a new coach and this you know, girl who emailed us, her name is Nancy. So let's say you're talking to Nancy mm -hmm. and uh, she's asking what certifications or what things that she should be looking for at first yeah. on a practical level, like what certs to take. Yeah. What would you say? As far as certifications go, I think um, the two that stick out to me the most where I really learned a lot of valuable information was um, CrossFit Kids and Level 2. For me, the Level 2 was a lot about gaining confidence as a coach. I was, I was not good at commanding the room prior to, um, really prior to the L2. I was okay at it. I had good days, bad days, but I... Well, you've said before, you're not naturally a very no, extroverted person. I'm not naturally an extroverted person. And if you asked me, you know, six years ago, if what I'd be doing now, like I would have said, I'm probably working like at a desk job far away from people because that's like, well, that's this what it used to so be. this morning we had a staff meeting and we were uh, somehow valedictorians came yes, up. Yes. Right? Valedictorian came up. And so, so Fox asked you yeah. if you were valedictorian. And what did you say? You said, I said, no. So I could have been. I could have given a speech for either valedictorian or salutatorian right. had I wanted to. I didn't because I didn't want everybody looking at me. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to stand on that stage and stand up there and be the head of like this 100-person class where everybody's looking at me. I don't want that. So I just bowed out. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Right. Like, let, let everybody else give their speeches. And now you're coaching classes. And now I love standing up there and talking. Tomorrow, tomorrow yes. you're going to New York City. Tomorrow I'm going to New York to, to give, give a, a speech. speech. Yeah, which it's so funny how like life just turns around and now yeah. like now that's probably my favorite thing to do and to get to stand up there and share knowledge in a fun way. Mm -hmm. That's like the coolest thing, yep. which I gained a lot of that confidence from the level two um, with them literally just saying be more confident. And I was like, oh, all right, mm -hmm. I'll do it. And also the kids uh, course, even if you don't take the kids course, but thinking about teaching someone as if they were a child, as yep. if they had no knowledge of understanding of anything. Yep. Like, teach it simple, and that really helps because that you have so many things running through your mind about different positionings and loss of lumbar curve and you know, all these different positionings happening. Mm -hmm. Your members don't need to know any of that. Nope. They want very simple. Yep. Keep, it, keep it simple, teach them like a kid, and it works. Also makes them laugh, which is fun. Yes, I completely agree. The kids' course is amazing because of how they break it down. Yeah. And 
yeah, we teach adults like a lot like how we teach kids. Yeah, and it's awesome. And it always brings out good laughs. Yes. Like that is always a way to get everybody giggling and it kind of breaks the ice and eases tension too because it's like, oh, this isn't as scary as I thought it was. Yep. Like taking a handstand push-up, for example. Handstand push-ups on its own, yeah, it can be scary for people. Most people haven't gone upside down in a while. Bring it back down to a stink bug and explain why it's called a stink bug and about how like that's how they spray and all of a sudden you've got a room full of people just cracking up and doing stink bugs and now understanding how it relates to a handstand push-up. And they're going to remember that because yep. they laugh. There's, a, there's an emotional attachment yep. to that moment, yep. right? So that's how people, that's how you remember things. There's, there's some other attachment other than just that fact, yep. right? Cool. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree. Like the kids class is great. I think the level two is amazing because you actually get feedback about coaching versus yep. just learning the basics. Yep. Like the level one I see as obviously the prerequisite to coach, but you know, we have a lot of our own members who took the level one more for their own personal fulfillment to yep. become a better uh, athlete and mover. Yep. So, and that's where I see the level one. Level one is really just about your own personal development. Mm -hmm. And then yes, you, you can glean some stuff about coaching from that, but the level two is specifically focused on coaching. coaching. Um, and then I would also look at, yeah, how comfortable are you in front of a group? Because yeah. I think, you know, I don't know if any of us have done it, but like taking some sort of public speaking class or yeah. I know they have like, um, blanking on the name, but they have groups that meet specifically to where, you know, someone will get up and tell a story. Yeah. Um, and these are groups that you can join and basically hone your public speaking skills. Yeah. Um, so it kind of depends on how comfortable you are. Like some people naturally gravitate towards this role because they like being kind of the, the center of attention. Yep. Um, the five of us, I don't think any of us really love being the center of attention, no, yeah, but, I don't think but we do it because we, we were like helping. Yeah. I love CrossFit. I love helping. And I think yeah. coaching felt so natural to me because it was something that I was passionate about. Right. Like I, get to stand up here and share this awesome message in this awesome community and I get to you know stand up there and be kind of the, the leader for that hour and that's really cool and that's like where I'm like okay I can stand up here and be the center for right. now. Right. Yeah like whenever we have events here um, like either our anniversary event or, or whatever the idea of like giving a speech during that time I, I hate or I, I just don't want to do it because yeah. um, I feel like it's kind of unnecessary uh, attention on me, although it's, I know it's not me, but it is. Yeah. Um, but coaching a class, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all about it, right? Because yeah. the, the ultimate goal is to get people moving and get people better and, and all that. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things, and this is related also to selling because um, I don't consider myself a salesperson, yeah. but... Um, I'm definitely not a salesperson. Yeah, there's a there's a book in the CrossFit business world called Help First by Chris Cooper, and and there's a lot of books like this by many different people. But essentially, the idea is, you know, if you think of sales as selling as helping, right, yep. and someone is willing to exchange money for help for for some sort of assistance, right, yep. that's how I see selling now. So it's very easy to to talk to people about joining as a member because. I want everyone to do CrossFit, yeah. right? Like yeah. you and 
lots of CrossFit coaches out there or other types of people that at any dinner party or you go out to eat or you go with friends, like yep. you're talking about CrossFit. Like uh, you are that friend who talks about CrossFit. Oh yeah. I remember last week I went out to dinner with my parents or two weeks ago and I was talking about CrossFit and they were like, yeah, but isn't it like, you know, what you see on TV, like all that scary stuff. And I was like, whoa, no, we got to talk about this now. So I pulled up the games or the HQ website and I pulled up at home to show like CrossFit isn't what you see on TV. Like it's in your house, standing up off the floor. It's picking up your groceries. It's carrying dog food. It's whatever. But right. then for them to be able to see that in action was like, oh, that made a lot of sense, yep. which was powerful. And I think that's more where like I see the sales coming in. It's not saying yeah. like, yeah, well, our prices are this and that, whatever, because you know, they could go join anywhere for yep. whatever price, but it's the help that's yeah. offered. It's the, and it's also the, the function of it, right? It's functional fitness. It's what we're doing outside the gym that we're trying to help with, not just mirror muscles are getting bigger. Not to say that those are bad things, but that's not our main focus. And conveying that message to people is a big help too. And I also think you have to want to help people get better and this applies to those people who are pretty decent athletes, but you have to want people to get better, even if it means them getting better than you. Yes. Because I see, I've seen that at places where I'll drop in, have dropped into places, and you know, it's again, like it's like a decent athlete, yep. and they, they, maybe they pay attention to like the newer people, yep. but they're like eyeing up the, the pretty good member Mm -hmm. who's, you know, doing pretty well yeah. and doesn't go over and help yep. because they're threatened or I don't even know, I don't even know yeah. what it is, yeah. but I think they're threatened by someone yeah. being better than them. Yeah. And they, they think they should be the coach because they are the better athlete. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. I've yeah. seen this a lot and been in that situation and it's, it's tough and it's not fair to anybody and it's not fun because then instead of helping that athlete, you're hurting them by not providing them with some feedback or some cue or something to help them improve. Right. And you're hurting yourself too. Cause then you look like a bad guy. Yeah. Like, and oh, they only right. And maybe not people. in the moment. Like if yeah. you're like, I notice it cause I'm thinking of a drop in situation where I noticed this cause, cause I was looking for it. I was looking yeah. for how coaches behave and but yeah. members, you might not notice it at first, but there's a certain, because you see, your, you see these people day in and day out, there's just this um, reputation that you might get yeah. as someone who doesn't want other people to get better. Yeah. And to a certain level. That's right, above not a certain great. Level. That's a bad thing. You don't want that. Yeah. And I, I've worked places where that has been the case, and it's, it's uncomfortable for everybody involved. Yeah, people notice it. Yeah, right? everybody notices it, and it's makes things awkward and it's not as fun and then you run into the problem of people cherry picking coaches which yeah. is a bad thing mm -hmm. um i think something we strive for here is that you know every class we're not robots like we're not the same people right but the core principles of each class will be the same and no matter who your coach is you will get feedback you will get coaching always right yeah so right our goal here is that people are not cherry picking either to go to a specific coach or to avoid, avoid a, coach. Yeah. <laughs> a certain coach, which would be terrible. That would be bad. Um, but 
but it happens places, right. which is, you know. Totally. It, that is a sign that something in your coaching or something in another coach is either lacking or is, you know, you do something better than another. And not to say that that's a bad thing because we all have our things that we're good at, but yeah, of course. it's something to be careful about and something to be mindful of. Um, switching gears a little bit, what resources, so these could be books, podcasts, um, uh, blogs, yeah. websites, whatever, right? So besides certs, so what r tangible resources would you recommend um, people read or listen to or whatever um, to become a better CrossFit coach? I think uh, the first one that comes to mind is Chasing Excellence, the book by Ben Berger on that is a big um, just mindset kind of thought there, as well as the book Mindset. Yep. Uh, I think Carol Dweck, Mindset. Two phenomenal books to read. Completely um, agree. Getting into coaching. And then uh, The Seven Habits of, or five, seven? Seven Habits. Seven Habits of mm -hmm. Highly Successful People. Yep. That's a great one. Uh, but then also just free resources, CrossFit.com. Like study the movement on there. Study all kinds of just videos, watch people move, um, and that is a huge help. And start to just focus on seeing someone move well and then seeing what can go wrong and mm -hmm. helping yourself pick up on it. And then, you know, role play scenarios. Like, how would I fix that? Yep. What are some options that I would use to help this person? Yep. And breaking things down, making it simple. I think those are some big things. I know when I first started coaching, I spent hours a day, like, studying what the workout was. Mm -hmm. and trying to understand everything that was happening, the movements, what fatigue might kind of happen, and all different things, so that I could be the best coach possible. Not to say that I gave any of that information to the members, because I didn't, because a lot of it was, like, very, very complex stuff. Yep. And it doesn't need to be complex, but whatever helps you understand it best so that you can then help the members understand it best, that's a good thing to do. It takes time. Yeah. It's not like you can't spend one weekend getting an L1 and be a great coach. Correct. It doesn't happen. It takes time. You have to put in time to the craft. Yeah, I love that idea of trying to understand as much as you can, but the fact is your members don't care. Right. They only care about what's going to help them. Right. So using the right cue in the right moment for the right person, yeah. and that, that to me is actually you know, that jump of like a good coach a to great a coach. great one. Yep. Uh, it has nothing to do with the amount of knowledge yeah. you have. Because actually, he probably ex I experienced yeah. this. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, the more I learn, the more I'm like, wow. Yes, because then you realize there's just all these other worlds that you're like, oh, Infinite. my gosh. Yeah. But wanting to understand it for yourself and then being able to kind of pick and choose for that particular person in the moment yep. what's effective yeah. um, to me matters. And as a new coach, it can be very easy to get overwhelmed with feeling this pressure of, of needing to appear smart or to, to appear like you know everything. But, um, but I think generally just keeping it simple yeah. is better. Yeah. And again, like focusing on the basics of getting the class organized, keeping them together as a group, um, you know, entertaining. The entertaining part in the sense of maintaining the group camaraderie and, and getting them to be laughing and, and enjoying their experience. Yeah versus the educating in the sense of like a technical thing. You know, as long as they're safe. Yep. I think that is obviously number one, but um, don't 
as a new coach, because I did this, you can put a lot of pressure on yourself yep. because you've seen good examples out there and you've been coached well, hopefully, where yeah. you want to live up to that, mm -hmm. which are great aspirations. But as a new coach, no one expects you to be like so on point and be this level four coach of like... You're not going to be perfect right away. Yeah. And, and it's and okay, be okay to with mess that. up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Be okay with messing up. Right. That's okay. It's part of the process and you need to mess up to learn. Right. Like that helps you grow as a coach. Um, the other thing too when you're just starting is not to get so caught up in all of the technicalities and like, yes, you memorized all the points of performance of the nine foundational movements right. for your L1 right. test. Like, you've got them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does not matter in a class so much. Correct. Like, nobody wants to hear you talk about the loss of midline or the loss of lumbar curve and what is causing all that because of this muscle being tight and this one not being strengthened enough and blah, blah. They don't want to know. Right. All they want to hear you say is how to fix it and it to be something simple. Yes. They need like one very word. quick, like one word. One, two, one, two words. One, two, like that. very, very quick. They don't need a paragraph explanation or longer because first yeah. of all, they don't have time for that. No. Trying to get them moving. You're going to give a dissertation on the spine. Like they don't have time for that. Correct. So you got to just, you know, keep things simple, have fun. And most importantly, don't be too hard on yourself. You're going to mess up and it's okay. Yeah. Try yeah. not to mess up big time. Try not to like right. Don't get hurt people anybody. hurt. Yeah. But be okay with if you accidentally say you know whatever. Like you say something backwards, laugh it off, fix it, correct yourself, and move on. Yeah. One of the I know this is more about what what we would recommend people do, but yeah. but and maybe this is a whole other thing. But like what not to do. Yeah. Um, don't act like you know everything. Yeah. And don't be afraid to say, I, I, I was wrong, yeah. or I don't know. I don't know where I was right? wrong, yeah. That's yeah, like if you go down this rabbit hole of pretending like you know everything and people are gonna call you out on it, or it's just, it's very apparent. Yeah. In any industry, but definitely oh, ours, yeah. where if you're trying to be the expert and you have <laughs> no clue what you're talking about, um, you know, it's better to say, I don't know, I'll look that up, or I don't know, yeah. um, I'm happy to learn that, or you know, yep. whatever the case may be. It's way better to say that than to, to fake act like you know what, what you're talking about yeah. and then it be wrong or, or whatever the case may be, you know? Now on the flip side of that too, like if you're standing in front of the class and you look like you have no clue what you're talking about, that's not great either. Like you need no. to- yeah. Oh, yeah. This, like yeah, yeah. You need to know basic information. Like you may not know a complex answer, you may not know why something's happening in a specific person. And that's totally fine to say, like, hey, I'm not sure, let me do some research and find out for you. Right. What you should not do is stand up there and be like, yeah, we got an air squat. Uh, I think that's like when, you know, put your feet shoulder apart, squat down. No, you gotta know, hey, this is an air squat. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Even if you miss a point of performance here or there, fine. This is an air squat, this is what we're doing, be confident in that. Yeah. Because yep, that agree. shows to your members. and. I think another thing too that I've personally experienced and can help uh, to understand, sometimes not intentionally, but members will ask you questions when you're a newer coach to kind of see where your knowledge level is at. Got it, yep. Don't let that mm -hmm. throw you off. Mm -hmm. You know it. And if you don't say, hey, I'm not sure, but that's okay. Don't feel like pressure 
from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that point. can mm -hmm. be, I remember that being one of the scariest things when I was first starting to coach. Just these, these questions that seemed like, to be honest, some of them seem really simple. Right. And I was like, are you trying to like trick me right now? Like what is going on? I'm not sure. Right. And also, to be honest, throws you off your game a little bit. Like if you're at the whiteboard brief and you're talking about, you know, the workout or whatever, and somebody throws their hand up and is like, hey, well, what if I can't do a push-up to the ground? Like, well, wait a second, I know you can. What's going on here? Or yeah. it's the fifth time you've heard that question. Yeah. Right. Don't let it From the you. same person. Yeah. You know, over the course of classes and months yeah. and whatever. Um, like patience. Yes. Um, having patience is Having important. patience is amazingly yeah. important because yeah. people are going to ask the same question. Yep. Like they themselves will ask the same question they yeah. asked last week. I had a member for two years, every single day, he came to class, came five to six days a week, every single day, whether we had this in the workout or not, what's the difference between a hang clean and a power clean? Every day for two years. No worries. Every day I'd answer the same question, and that was okay. Eventually, they learned it, yeah. but it, sometimes it takes a while. Like They don't study this like we do. Right. They're here for an hour, and they may not even remember what the heck they did when they walk out the door. Yep. People That's don't okay. know what the workout is. People don't know if it's for time or an AMRAP or whatever. Sometimes I don't even remember what AMRAP means. Yep. That's right. part of being a good coach is explaining all of the things to eliminate the fear of the unknown in yeah. the workout. And having empathy. Yes. Like, you know, one of the, one of the things that... Um, now, admittedly, you know, we used to do this because that was just the thing to do. But then, but now that I think about it, and now here, you know, if someone is late, yep. the burpee penalty is pretty common for CrossFit gyms. Yep. But it's pretty ridiculous. So if someone's late in the past, you know, uh, I will take ownership. Like I've had them do thirty burpees, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if they're chronically late, you have the whole class do it. Right. As like a punishment. Right. But if you're actually being empathetic, then you need to understand that they might have three kids at home that are yep. clambering all over them and they just can't get out the door or they are running late or yep. that one time. Actually, yeah, they couldn't help it. Whereas maybe in the past they could. And, and you knew right. that whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. And like at the end of the day, you're either going to improve your relationship with yep. your people, your members, or you're going to you're going to hurt it. Yep. Right. So, like, what actions are you taking that will improve it? Yep. Because our goal is to get them back. Yep. Right. Our goal is to basically just ha just have them get back. Yep. Right. So there's a lot of tactics involved with that, but but at the end of the day, your goal is to get them back in the door. Yep. To work out again. Absolutely. And I think as you were talking, one other thought that came to mind is being respectful of your members. Like, yes, you want them to respect you as a coach, but you also need to show them that same respect and understanding that, you know, everybody has bad days. Sometimes they get here late or they're stressed from work or they're just distracted and they didn't hear you during the brief because they were distracted about, you know, a work call or whatever. Right. Just be respectful, understand that they've got a lot going on too and just be kind. And don't put your stuff on them. Yeah. Like, don't. Check your baggage at the door. Yeah, if you're the coach, yes, you, you have to fake it. Like, yes. you know, I don't want you to be a fake person in general. Right. 
But don't bring but your you, crap up. But you should that. not have a mopey face or, uh, or complain. Nope. Well, first of all, you really shouldn't be complaining at all. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other story. But you, they are coming to you to relieve the stress that they have outside of here. Yep. You, you cannot um, put a vibe, a negative vibe on the group nope. because you just broke up with your boyfriend or you had trouble at home with kids or like whatever the case may be, whatever your stuff is, leave it. Leave it. Yep. Leave it. Deal right? with it later. Even, even if you have friends in the class, right? Because everyone yep. becomes friends and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Leave it outside. You, you cannot bring down that, that vibe because people are coming in for a positive experience. Right. And if they don't get it, even if they are willing to commiserate or they have a, had a bad day and whatever, um, you can't do that. No, right? not as as the coach. As a coach, you need to be up there. Fake it till you fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. Yep. You need to be that positive presence. I can remember some of the best classes I had, and it wasn't because the workout was great or whatever. Like, yes, that may have been the case, but what I remember is how energetic and how exciting class was. And at the same time, I've had some really crappy days when I was coaching, but most people would never know because you need to fake it you need to make them have a good class yeah and just knowing your history you've i guarantee i know that you've had i've had plenty of days that you could have easily been complaining or yeah uh whatever I've, yeah i certainly had days where it would have been easier to just not coach or to just be there and kind of be a facilitator but yep. that's not what being a coach is that and that's not fair to Myself or to the members. Right. The members deserve the experience that they're paying for. They deserve to be taught, have fun, and not have to worry about whatever I got going on in my life. They've got enough in their lives. They don't need my stuff. So you leave it outside and you have a good class. And oftentimes that's a great distraction for you too. Yep. It's awesome to just be, there's something in the energy of a CrossFit class, especially here, this, the community just like lifts you up. And it makes you happy and you feel good. And at the start of class, you may have been faking it. Right. By the end, you're giggling along with them out of pure joy and having fun. Yeah. If you want to feel better, help someone. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't have to be a coach. Like, Just help somebody. Random yeah. acts of kindness. Yep. You, there's been studies about it. Like, if you do something kind for someone, you actually get more of a benefit than they do. Yeah. Um, and then what's cool is that, because I'm just thinking of this study I read, they observed someone do a random act of kindness, and not only did that person you know, feel better, right? Mm -hmm. The other person receiving on the receiving end obviously felt better. Yep. But the people who witness that act of kindness yeah. also feel better, and then therefore are more likely to do something. So it, it spreads, yeah. right? It, it does actually um, pass along, which yeah. is pretty cool. On that same side, too, stress and anxiety spreads. So if you are anxious or stressed or whatever and it's showing, you can then spread that on everybody around you. Right. Which, as yeah, a, you set the tone. Yeah. If you're the coach, you are the leader of the group yep. um, from, a, from a tone sense. From the moment and, you walk in that door too. Right. Not just from the time class starts to the time class ends. Like right. You, from the moment you walk through the door, you know, whatever it is, from the moment you leave, yeah. you need to have that kind of presence. Not to be like, oh, like turned all the way up to 10 when you walk through the door. Right. Like 
but you might not have that personality. It might be not right. be authentic you might for you, right? Be quiet or whatever. But once you start coaching, turn it up and you're yeah. you're on. Um, yeah. So we're gonna wrap up. But um, I agree with you in terms of uh, the book mindset yeah, and the journal. Um, I also would add in because it's a personal favorite of mine, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I think just understanding people and understanding that, for instance, their name is incredibly important. Yep. So using their name. So tactically, smile, acknowledge, eye contact, yeah. use their name. Um, these are all super important. Very simple things. Like you don't need a, a, a level four, cross that level four, to understand that someone's name is important to them. No. Right? It's, mm -hmm. the, it's, a, yeah. it's the word they like to hear the most. Yep. Right, because they've heard it their entire life. Yep. Um, I also like Extreme Ownership. That's a great one. By Jocko Willink and Leif Bepson. Um, yep. Because it, it means you own everything. everything you and so as a leader of the, that class, the guide of that class, you should take ownership. Yep. So if someone doesn't understand something, that's on you. Yep, you right? take that, the responsibility. Right? Yep. Um, if whatever the case may be, right, we yep. can go on and on. Um, and then the other one I really like is... Uh, ideal Team Player, The Ideal Team Player yep. by Patrick Lencioni. Um, and he's all about, and this is kind of where Chasing Excellence comes from, yeah. um, being humble, hungry, and smart. So humble, like kind of understandable, but like it's not about you. Yep. Um, hungry, always strive to learn, always strive to be better. And then smart, not actually like intelligent smart per se, but more people smart, yep. which is what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, what else? Because we're coming up on an hour. What um, is there anything else that you want to impart? And I'm thinking we there's probably going to be a part two of some sort. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help as a coach either. I think that, I like that is a big one. Like you can ask other coaches for feedback. You can ask members for feedback on your coaching. You can ask anybody or just in general. Ask questions. Continue to learn. Don't just kind of shut that off just because like oh I got my cert I'm good. Right. Keep learning. Don't get complacent. Yep. Always keep looking for something new to learn. And know that there's something you can learn from your members just as much as they can learn from you. So don't close that door either. Yep. Keep that open. Yeah, I, I agree. There are great coaches out there who only have their level one. Yep. But chances are they're doing other self-development things or yep. they are dropping into other boxes to listen and hear from other coaches or whatever the case may be, they're, they're striving for improvement. Mm -hmm. So it's back to the beginning, like it's not about the letters after your name or it's not about the amount of certs you have, but it is an indication of how much you want to improve, right? right. Um, so, I mean, you have almost every CrossFit cert under the sun plus outside ones. It doesn't automatically mean that you are a great coach, no. but you are always striving to be better, and that's the more important part. Yeah, there's always that striving for something new. Because yeah. I've taken, like, three different weightlifting courses, but I still want to take more. Just because I've taken three of them does not mean that I know anything about weightlifting. I know a lot, but not enough. The more I take them, the more I'm like, wow, I don't know anything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, you're never done learning, cool. ever, even when you're yeah. done being a student. Yep. Never done learning. Cool. Uh, that's about it. I took some Sweet. notes, but I think we're we've covered a lot of them.
Right. Yeah. Mm. That's it. All right. All right. Wrap it up. Cool. Hey, folks. Thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFitKana, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at CrossFitKana.com. Thanks and have a great day.